Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation this evening, as we commemorate Mary, the mother of our Lord, our epistle reading, Galatians 4, especially these words. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you come into a Lutheran church and what do you have? The feast of Mary, the mother of our Lord. What in the world is going on? Roman Catholics honor, commemorate, and celebrate Mary, not Lutherans, right? There are all kinds of shenanigans in the name of Mary, things that are extra biblical that we just cannot tolerate in a Bible-believing church. We don't pray the rosary. We don't celebrate the Immaculate Conception of Mary. We don't celebrate or honor the Assumption of Mary into heaven. Why? Because these things are not in the Bible. And so what do Lutherans tend to do because there are extra-biblical abuses with regard to Mary? Well, most Lutherans tend to ignore Mary completely. And that's not biblical either. So tonight we have before us Mary singing the Magnificat. We have marvelous sections of Old Testament Scripture pointing forward to the relationship between God and His church. But like all of the feast days, commemorations, and minor festivals that we celebrate in the Lutheran church, this day is not really about Mary at all. It's about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. And on this particular day, it is especially about Jesus. It's so easy to get our eyes, to get our focus off of the one thing needful. And the one thing needful is Jesus. God's word for tonight, Galatians chapter 4, teaches us why this is so important to get right and the proper understanding of how Mary fits into all of this. Mary is not our co-redeemer or co-redemptrix. Mary is the mother of our Lord. In fact, our Lutheran confessions say 
Mary is the mother of God. You want to start a social media argument? All you have to do is say that phrase, Mary, the mother of God. Oh, no. That's a confession. A confession made necessary by a heresy that plagued the church for over a century. Arianism. Arianism that denied that Jesus was true God. And so that phrase, Mary is the mother of God, is a confession again, not about Mary, but about Jesus. Perhaps you remember how you memorized it in some of the most beautiful words ever authored by a human being. Luther's meaning to the second article of the Apostles' Creed from the small catechism. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. That's what this day is about. The two natures of Jesus Christ. Jesus is true God and true man all at the same time. He's not God on the inside and man on the outside. He's not God on the upper half and man on the lower half. He's not any combination of percentages. He is 100% God and 100% a human being. How can this be? I don't know. It is a mystery. And with every mystery, you can't explain it, but you know that it is true. There are many mysteries of the faith. How can God be one God in three persons, three persons in one God? I don't know, but it's true. It's a divine mystery. How can bread and wine be the body and blood of Jesus? I don't know, but it's true. It's a divine mystery. How can the person, Jesus Christ, be true God and true man all at the same time? I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that is clearly taught in God's Word. And so we cling to it. We believe it. We confess it. But I would submit to you tonight that the question is not how can Jesus be true God and true man at the same time? There's a more important question for us. Why? Why was it necessary for our Savior, for the Christ, for the Messiah to be both God and man. Fully God and fully man. 100% God and 100% man. That is the question, the important question, not only for us, but for all of Christianity. God's Word, Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come when the time was right 
when the time was ripe, when the time was pregnant, at just the right time, God went into action. What was this action? Keeping His Word. Keeping His promise. The first gospel promise made to Adam and Eve in the garden after the fall, the fall into sin. God said that He would send one. A Savior, the seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head once and for all. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament, God, through the prophets and the patriarchs, gave more and more details about this one, this seed of the woman who would come and crush the head. He would be a king and he would be a servant. He would humble himself, he would suffer, and yet he would rule over all things. He would be born of a virgin in an out-of-the-way obscure town called Bethlehem. The promises were given. The promises were proclaimed. The promises were heard. The promises were believed. People clung to the promise that God, at the right time, would send the Messiah, the Savior, and when the time was right, God kept his word. God sent forth his son, born of a woman. You get that? God's son, born of a woman. True God and true man. Not just to show that he could do it, but for a reason, for a purpose. Born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. The Savior, the Messiah, the Christ, this Jesus. Born under the law. The law that condemns us. The law that shows us our sin. The law that is a constant reminder that we are not the holy people that God would have us be. The Savior is placed under that same law. But he doesn't sin. Not once. Not ever. He fulfills the law on our behalf. But that's not the end of the work of our Christ, our Messiah. He redeems us who are under the law. That redeem or redemption word is a very very important word in Scripture. When we think of it, we think of buying back. If you're as old as me, you remember licking S&H green stamps when you were a kid. And then you would paste them in a book. And then you would take them to the redemption center. Basically, they overcharged you for the product, gave you green stamps, you saved the green stamps and you went and bought back a product or a trinket. There's no game or stamp licking here. Jesus redeems us. He buys us back with His holy, precious blood. 
and his innocent suffering and death. That's why Jesus had to be both true God and true man all at the same time. True man so he could place himself under the law. True man so he could suffer and die and shed his blood on our behalf as our substitute. But if Jesus was only a man, he would have died for only himself. Our Savior is not only a human being, true man, but true God, so that what he did, his life, his death, his resurrection, would be for all people for all time. Jesus, true God, overcomes sin, death, and the grave for you and for me. He doesn't keep this to himself. He pours it out to us in the waters of holy baptism. He robes us with his perfection, his righteousness, his forgiveness. He adopts us and welcomes us into the family. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. My friends, there's always something about Mary with regard to the doctrine and practice and theology of the church. But remember, it's not primarily about Mary. God used Mary. Mary, a poor miserable sinner just like you and me. He called her by grace and gave her the special task of being the one who would give birth to the Savior of the world. Her womb became the holy tabernacle for God. These mysteries are mind-blowing, but they're true. Don't get caught up in the how. Focus on the why. My friends, sinners like you and me have nothing to offer God. We are by nature objects of God's wrath. We can't save ourselves. We can't pay or pray or obey our way into the kingdom of God. And so God, in his grace and mercy, sends his son, born of a woman, true God and true man, to bring life and salvation for the whole world, of course, to bring life and salvation for you. We believe, teach, and confess that what Jesus Christ did for the whole world, he did for me. 
Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. My beauty are my glorious dress. God has called us by the gospel, enlightened us with his gifts, sanctified, and placed us into the holy Christian church. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, you can always tell when it's Lent or getting close to Easter. You can always tell. The History Channel, the National Geographic Channel, Time, Newsweek, whatever media source is out there will always start running stories like the search for the historical Jesus. The quest for the truth about Jesus. Who was Jesus? Jesus? Myth or man? And the list goes on and on and on. My friends, the world makes sport of our confession here tonight. But our confession is not about Mary. Our confession is about Jesus. True God, true man, crucified and risen, forgiveness, life, and salvation in his name. Here I stand, here you stand, and as we stand in and on Christ, the blood of Jesus covers over all of our sin, all of our failings, all of our imperfections. Jesus is why we gather. Jesus is why we have confidence in the midst of a world of ridicule and a world of fear. Jesus makes life and death joyous for the Christian. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our confession in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.